Thank you for listening to this new episode of the podcast, By the Still Water. Our intent is for these messages to be an encouragement for your search for the God of heaven. Thank you for listening. Scott Thomas did something that was very hard. In 2018, a negligent truck driver ran a stoplight and slammed into a charter bus carrying a junior Canadian hockey team. The horrific accident killed 16 and left 13 seriously injured. One of those killed was Evan Thomas. His friends called him E.T. He was Scott Thomas's teenage son. But what has made Scott Thomas a well-known name was what happened later. Over 90 victim impact statements were read at the sentencing of the driver. But Scott Thomas forgave the man that had caused his son's death. Such mercy, undeserved as it was, became headline news in Canada. We have been talking about the Mountain Sermon of Jesus and how it expresses such radical ideas for the time and such radical ideas for today. The introduction of the sermon is the nine statements of blessing, each statement a challenge and a solution. This is the composite picture of a citizen of the nation ruled by Jesus. Each element fills in a portion of the image of what a citizen should look like. It begins with coming to Jesus as a beggar, with the realization that they must come to Jesus with nothing in their hand, understanding that if they are not rescued by Jesus, they will die. That citizen has come to realize what sin means and what it has done to this world, the horror it has caused, and the horror it has caused in their own life. They have learned that they must place their strength and power under the guidance of something greater than themselves, and that their own wisdom is not sufficient. They have come to learn the blessing of hungering for the knowledge of God, and that the meal not only satisfies, but it will be even better tomorrow when they partake again. Each of these speak of qualities of the heart and of the mind. Each is about who that kingdom citizen is deep down, long before there is talk of what they do. Each must be a deliberate choice to pursue the qualities demanded by this heavenly king. But as this introduction continues, it becomes even more challenging because the next four statements introduce impact on others. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In the Mountain Sermon, Jesus speaks three times of a reciprocal relationship, the idea that one gives what they desperately need themselves. It is easy to see receiving mercy as a great blessing, the resolving of guilt, wrong, or rebellion in our favor and for our benefit. It is an incredible blessing when we confront our guilt. But our receiving mercy is dependent on our extending mercy to others. We have all been wronged. We have been hurt by others. We have been treated unfairly by someone. But extending mercy to them almost seems like we are giving up something that we own or that we deserve. That hurt or anger belongs to us, and we have earned it by the pain or injustice that we have experienced. That anger and resentment is buried deep down in our heart. So why should I give up what is mine? But consider this. We ourselves have hurt or been unjust to others, hurt that cannot be undone, unmade, nor can we balance the debt by some good deed, and we owe that debt. But the only way we can resolve that is when someone shows us mercy. Jesus says, are you willing to do the hard thing, 
to be merciful and forgive others so that you can have mercy and be forgiven yourself. But someone might say, it's too hard. I have been hurt too much. I have had so much taken away. But return back to the story of a father who lost his son to a careless truck driver. Have you lost that much? Is the hurt worse than what Scott Thomas experienced when he heard Eric was dead? Yet, Scott Thomas forgave. Being a citizen ruled by Jesus is not easy. It is demanding and it is challenging. But that is the essence of what this mountain sermon is about. It is about doing the hard things, looking at and changing the things that live in our heart that no one else can witness except God, the hidden things that separate us from God. He continues with that theme in the next blessing when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Many have the impression that Christian philosophy revolves around actions that fall into two categories, right and wrong. But what about doing the right thing for the wrong reasons? What Jesus says in the statement of blessing addresses motives. Citizens of his kingdom must ask the question, are they doing the right thing but for the wrong reason? This is addressed in much more detail later in the sermon when he gives a direct warning about doing what is right for selfish reasons. He actually uses the word danger. But who can police our motives? Only we can. Jesus says that many will give money, pray, and fast. All good actions, but motivated by the need for others to see them as righteous or pious. Jesus tells us that a citizen must be willing to look at their motives honestly, and take on the challenge of changing their motives, even if their actions are good already. He continues on when he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peace is not just an absence of conflict, nor does it just happen. Peace is made, and it is a deliberate choice to make it. Psalm 34 commands the believer to seek peace and pursue it. There is a fundamental idea here. That conflict is a choice, too. One of the strangest events of the First World War occurred on Christmas Eve, 1914. On a battlefield where barbed wire stretched for hundreds of miles, where thousands had died, French, German, and British soldiers, and where no one dared look above the trench lest a sniper's bullet find them, someone in a trench started singing a Christmas carol. The song was picked up by others even some from across the deadly space known as no man's land. Men from both sides began to step out of their trenches. They began to talk and trade foodstuffs. It would be known as the Christmas Truce. The generals on both sides were enraged at the event and soon ordered the attacks to begin anew. But for a few brief hours, the individuals fighting the war took charge of the war and declared peace. But Jesus is not talking about fighting wars across trenches, but fighting across the dinner table, across the hall at work, or with those you meet every day. The citizen must choose peace, peace in thought, peace in motive, as something to promote. The message of hope, love, and mercy and forgiveness will never flourish in a place of conflict, bickering, and hostility. So Jesus describes the citizen of his nation as those that come humbly in search of God, who realize the evil brings grief and pain, that submit to a greater standard and cause for their own actions, that actively and endlessly search for the good of God, 
those that are willing to extend to others mercy and forgiveness, examining at the same time their own motives, not just their actions, and that they know, value, and promote peace. This is the composite picture. So how does the rest of the world respond to someone like this? Blessed are they that are persecuted for doing it right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you, hurt you, or lie about you. Jesus says that the response of the world to not acting like the others is to be hated, hurt, and lied about. But why? Why does the world respond to heavenly citizens like this? Years after the Mountain Sermon, Peter would write to some of these very same people about the violence that they were facing, and he would call them aliens and strangers in this violent world. To be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven is to be considered an alien in the land in which you live. What does all this mean in terms of the Mountain Sermon? This is a new challenge. This is a deeper challenge. This is a greater challenge than we have ever imagined. And yet, what is the reward of this? That we are blessed of God, that we could be considered his nation. This is the kingdom citizen, the blessings of the Mountain Sermon. Thank you for listening to this episode of By the Still Water. It is our desire that these messages reflect the true word of God. If you would like to reach us, you can reach us by email at bythestillwater2024 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at By the Still Water Podcast. Please consider subscribing. This will alert you to new episodes when they are made available. Again, thank you for listening.